Happy Father's Day to those of you that are dads in this room, those of you watching online. You know, when I moved here to Oklahoma 24 years ago, I knew we would have possibly tornadoes and we would have some weird weather, but I didn't think we would have hurricanes come rolling through. Uh, yesterday was just unbelievable. I should say actually earlier this morning. Uh, I never experienced anything like that. So hopefully everybody's doing okay. And I had some, some people text me saying that they weren't coming this morning because they had some significant damage. So we just pray that God blesses them during this tough time as they try to clean up and get things fixed up. So this morning I've got not just a Father's Day message, but I have a message for all men that are in here. Young men, married men, single men, older men, uh, this is all for you, but women, I like you to pay attention because I do want you to know that being a man is, just as much as it is being a woman, it's not easy. It's hard. And I had a hard time really come up with something today to talk to you about because what I want to do is I want to make sure that I'm, I'm telling you men how to lead without being a hypocrite because I'm fallible as well. I have not done a perfect job of leading my family and of leading other men and of leading this church, to be honest with you. I have some times where I have messed up. So there is this pressure as men to be perfect when it comes to leading others. It's significant, and I think we put it on ourselves this pressure, because God designed us to go out and be the hunter-gatherers, the ones that provide for their families, the ones that have to be tough, under difficult situations and show no emotion, almost like Mr. Spock on Star Trek, right? Uh, that's how we're supposed to be, and we feel like that's how God designed us. And yes, and to a point he has, he's designed us to be the spiritual head of the home and to be leaders. But we have this tremendous amount of pressure that's on us, and I think most often than not, we get it wrong, then we do get it right. And I'm here to tell you that there is some grace there. Women, there is some grace there for those that are the men in your life, give them some grace. It's not an easy job to lead. And so what I wanna do is I wanna give you a step today, just a small step for all men that you can take in leading well. Not perfectly, but well. Pastor Lisa last month did a tremendous job preaching to moms and women about the Proverbs 31 woman. And what we learned is that she was not perfect. She was not perfect. But the one thing that she did well was to fear the Lord. And if she got that right, if we get that right, then everything else will fall into place. Amen? The fear of the Lord. So I want to start off in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, if you want to turn there. And I'm going to be in the message version for a lot of today's word, but Paul wrote something that really, I think, emphasizes how we are as men are supposed to be. And this is, again, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning in verse 9. He said this, you remember us in those days, friends, working our fingers to the bone. Men, how many of us does that describe? Working our fingers to the bone, up half the night, especially last night, uh, moonlighting so you wouldn't have the burden of supporting us while we proclaim God's message to you. Men, this is speaking to me right now. Like us providing for our families, 
providing for ourselves, providing for our friends, doing the things that we have to do. This is it right here, working our fingers to the bone, supporting others. But at the same time, Paul said they proclaim God's message. So that was always front and center. He says, you saw with your own eyes how discreet and courteous we were among you with keen sensitivity to you as fellow believers. And God knows we weren't freeloaders. You experienced it all firsthand. What he's saying here is while we preached the gospel and why we supported the church and supported each other, the community, you experienced it. You actually were watching. You saw us firsthand do all this stuff. So what did they do besides support the church? He said, with each of you, we experienced it all firsthand, but with each of you, we were like a father with his child, holding your hand, whispering encouragement, showing you step-by-step how to live well before God, who called us into his own kingdom, into this delightful life. Those three things, holding hands, whispering encouragement, and showing step-by-step. Those are the three things we're gonna talk about today for us as men, how we should live our life as being leaders. But I want you all to know is there's some grace in this. God has some grace built into this. We're not gonna be perfect. And ladies, I'm asking you, please don't expect your husbands, your boyfriends, your fiancés, your brothers to be perfect. It's just not going to happen. So this is a plea today from me a man who is not perfect. A plea from me for you all to take this step that we're gonna talk about today. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pray. Father, I just wanna thank you for everybody that's in this room. I wanna thank you for the dads that are in here, the bosses that are in here, the students that are in here, the single men that are looking for a wife that are in here, men that are in here that are just looking to lead and do the best they can for those that they're trying to lead, Father. And I just thank you that you're gonna give them the strength and the wisdom to be able to do this and encouragement from this word that I have today that you've given me. And I just pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So in October of 1994, I invited a young lady from Oklahoma to Virginia. As I was a cadet at the Virginia Military Institute, We were about to celebrate us getting our class ring. So we had a big formal ball. And of course, I invited Lisa to come out. I had not seen her in four years. Last time I saw her was on an aircraft carrier when we were serving as uh, Naval ROTC, serving on a ship for a couple weeks in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. That's the last time I saw her. But four years later, she came out to Virginia to be a part of this dance. Very, very special dance. And I remember in October when I first saw her, I actually was in a large parade. So the Corps cadets were all marching out onto the parade ground and I was a platoon sergeant at the time. So I was at the back by myself, just barking orders. People were marching. And uh, I remember just standing there as I was going by and off my peripheral vision, I could see her standing there next to my parents. And all of a sudden I started to march perfectly. And, And more, upright and making sure my posture was good and, and everything was snappy. Because as a, as a cadet, every Friday we marched. Every Friday we had a parade. And it was annoying. Because we were doing it for the tourists, because we had a lot of tourists that came and they knew every Friday the Corps of Cadets were going to march. And, and it was just, you know, we marched for everything, you name it. 
somebody sneezed wrong and we had to march for them. It was just that kind of thing and it was just given, you know, rain or shine, as long as there wasn't lightning or like the weather we had last night, we were marching. But there was only two parades that I marched perfectly, that I actually cared. It was when Lisa came out for that ball and when she came out a year later for my graduation. And that's the time that I marched perfectly because I knew she was watching. So 1,300 cadets in the Corps of Cadets all dressed the same. For some reason I knew she could pick me out and was staring at me the whole time. And see, that's the dirty little secret, right? In life, which I want you all to know, is that people, men, men specifically, people are watching you. They're watching you. For me, with Lisa, those two times, I knew that she was watching and I was gonna get it right because that's when it mattered the most to me. I've marched for presidents, I've marched for governors, I've marched for cabinet members, I've marched from four-star generals, admirals, you name it, during those times that we marched as cadets, being the, the dog and pony show, if you will. But when it really mattered most, when Lisa was there, that's when I marched the best, because I knew she was watching. And I know that's, that's the truth in my life, and recently, actually, I've had some funny reminders that people are watching me, mainly from, from babies, believe it or not. So we have two very cute babies that are in this place, Elias and Aiden. Um, for some reason, I don't know what it is, but whenever I get around them, they just lock eyes with me. And I can move from this side, like you all do, and they just look at me. And then I can move over here, and they're, and they're looking at me. And there was this baby in Scotland, when we went to Scotland a few months ago, uh, baby named Grace, uh, and if, I don't know if Ricky's watching, he's probably not, but his daughter Grace, absolutely gorgeous, probably the cutest baby I've ever seen in my life next to my own kids, uh, absolutely gorgeous, and when I was standing around her, she would always just lock eyes on me for some reason, and even her mom was like, Jeff, I, I've never seen anybody be stared at as much as you when it comes to Grace, this is, I don't, don't know what's going on here, and I'm like, well, she's in love with me, you know, I'm just just that gorgeous, right? No, that's not the case. There's something about me that babies like. I don't know what it is, but the whole point, when I thought about that, it's like people are always watching. They just are. And you gotta be mindful of that because if you're not, then you're gonna let your guard down and you're not gonna do, you're not gonna do the right thing when it matters the most. And as dads, as men, we have to make sure we get that right. One thing I've learned is people always remember when you get it wrong, don't they? They're quick, right? They remember when you get things wrong. But what overshadows that is when you actually get it right. I will tell you, in my time as a pastor, in my time as a dad, my time as a coworker, the moments when people needed me the most and I was there, they remember that more than any of my mistakes. They do. So the principle here today, men, is you can get it right when it matters most, then you're winning half the battle, man. You're doing okay, and everything else will fall into place. So how? I want to go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. This phrase that Paul writes, he says, with each of you, we were like a father with his child, holding your hand, whispering encouragement, and showing you step by step how to live well with God. 
I want to start with holding your hand, that first point that Paul makes. Now, I want to go back to Jesus because Jesus often highlighted the Father and how the Father and him were connected. And if Jesus needed that connection with the Father, then we certainly do, being believers in this world. Amen? Amen. We need that connection. So how did the Father hold the hand of Jesus? And what does this mean? When I went to Germany as a kid, I spent five weeks in Germany, and I remember being with my friends over there, and the girls, the German girls, often would hold hands as we were going around places, driving around, going to, you know, whatever, walking down the street, and I found that very odd. I even asked one of, one of the, my male friends, I was like, what, what is this about, man? Why are they holding hands? And what he told me was, it's, this, it's a, a very close connection. It's almost like they're sisters. And they're, they're so close that they're there for each other when it matters most. And it's the symbol of, of them being connected. So this whole idea of holding hands means that we as men, we need to be there for people when it matters most. That's what it means. And I look about my father. My father was outstanding in that. My dad was always there when it mattered most. And he was somebody who traveled a lot. He worked for the government. He then later worked for a defense contractor. He traveled around the world all the time. But man, when I had a Boy Scout event, when I had a camping trip, when I had something going on at school, a sporting event, man, he was always there. And I remembered that. And that connection is so important. Just by being there when it matters most, it's like you holding the hand of that person. And when that person sees you there, it just gives them that sense of encouragement and they remember that. And when Jesus, it was the same thing. Luke chapter 22, I wanna point out this example. This is Jesus before he was crucified. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And this is the message version. He said, he pulled away from them about a stone's throw. This is the disciples. And he knelt down and he prayed. He said, Father, remove this cup from me, but please not what I want. What do you want? And at once an angel from heaven was at his side strengthening him. He prayed on all the harder. Sweat wrung from him like drops of blood poured off his face. God responded. He was there for Jesus at the moment when he needed him most. And I, I guarantee you that gave him that encouragement to move forward and go to the cross, face our sin, face death, face the most painful way to go, a Roman crucifixion. He did that because he knew the father was there when he needed him most. The next thing that Paul said is whispering encouragement. And I found that phrase interesting. In order for you to hear whispering encouragement, you have to have a close relationship with that individual, amen? Because I could yell at you all day, you could hear from me probably across the room and across the other side of this building, but if I'm whispering to you, that means we have to be close. That whispering encouragement is important. One of the faults that my dad had, and I hope he's not watching, Whenever I came to my dad, and listen, as I said, nobody's perfect, and I admit that myself, nobody's perfect, right? But one of the faults that my dad had that I've actually picked up on with my own family is if I came to him with a problem, he would lecture me. Well, this is what you need to do. Boom, 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 right? And it was just like, okay, 
I just needed you to hear what I had to say. I don't need a lecture. And that's something that I picked up from my dad and I've done to my own kids is I actually, when they come to me with problems, I start to go into preaching mode, as they, as they like to call it. Don't preach at me. I start to lecture. This whispering encouragement is not men, us lecturing people on what to do. What it is is to take a moment and let that person that's speaking to you speak to you. Listen to them, not lecture them. Amen. And that listening allows you time as they take a breath and are looking at you to give them that encouragement. Not that this is what you should do, but you can do it. Whatever it is that's in front of you, God's going to give you the strength to do it. Just trust on him. Just be there for them and encourage them. Jesus, in John chapter 11, was about to raise Lazarus from the dead. And he says something in this passage I'm about to read to you that absolutely exemplifies whispering encouragement. As we know the Father, God usually speaks in a still, small voice. Amen? There's that whisper. And sometimes you have to pause before you're about to do something and listen. And God will whisper encouragement to you. And us as men, that's what we have to do as well. So let me tell you about Lazarus. He was dead for four days. And I'm not going to get into what a body is like four days after it dies. I'll spare you the details. I actually am one of those weird people who like to look things up like that to see, okay, what happens, you know, after a person dies, how long does it take for them to start the process of going back to dust again? Day four, wow. Lazarus is really dead. And Jesus knows that. And he knows that he's about to do something that's absolutely incredible. More incredible than we can ever imagine. Raising somebody after four days from the dead. Getting people to roll away that stone so he could call him out. What a tremendous act of faith. Getting ready to do something that nobody has ever done. Here he is. It is not only that, it's the fact that he is going to do this so that people know that he is the Christ, the Messiah. That this was not about him and his ego. This was about him displaying the fact that he is God. So here's what the Bible says. Jesus said, go ahead, take away the stone. And they removed the stone. And Jesus raised his eyes to heaven and prayed, Father, I am grateful that you have what? Listen to me. I know you always do listen. But on account of this crowd standing here, I've spoken so that they might believe that you sent me. This is incredible. This idea of this relationship that Jesus has with his father. The fact that he knew his father listened to him. The fact that he went to him before this event happened, knowing that he had to do this and received that whispering encouragement from the Father to be able to tell those men to roll away that stone and then call out Lazarus, who's been dead for four days. Listen, don't lecture. What that means, men, again, is let the person dump their feelings on you. Let them show their emotion. Let them be there with you in that moment. And then when it comes time, and you'll know it, you'll be led by the Spirit Give them that whispering encouragement, not a lecture, unless they ask for your advice. 
The next thing that Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians, he says, showing you step by step how to live. This is an easy one, really, that we as men, like I said, people are always watching. So how are you living your life? Are you an actual example that others would want to follow? And that's tough. That's where I think that pressure comes, is that we know as believers, as born-again, spirit-filled men, that we have to live as an example to others. Not just our families, if you're married, but those that are around you. Because Jesus said that you're the light of the world. That goes for men too, right? That we are supposed to be the living example of who Jesus is. And that's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure. There is a study that came out last year. I want to point this out because part of what made me want to talk about this was what I experienced on Mother's Day here at the church. If you remember, Pastor Lisa called all the women down to be prayed for. And I think the majority of those that are in this room on that day were women. It looked like probably 75% women, 25% men, because once Lisa had them all come down, then she called all the men to come down and pray over the women. And it looked like there were barely a handful of men here. And as I'm looking from right to left, I can see that there are there's some men in here, but the majority of those that are in here are women. Statistically, that is what's happening in the church, capital C, around the world, is you're seeing more women than men come to church. So in 2022, the uscongregations.org did a study, and this is what they found, was 61% of men attend Sunday service weekly, if we can get that slide up, there we go. And only 39% that attend a weekly Sunday service are men. So my question is, where are all the men? What's happening? You know, the thing that I, I wrestle with, and listen, I used to be a congregation member. And I know sometimes we, we like to travel and that's, that's not a problem. But what I'm noticing is that church attendance on a weekly basis is not consistent with a lot of people in the U.S. And I actually blame the men for that because men are not even showing up in church. It's like it's not important anymore. And with 2020, when we had COVID, I think that, that further kind of exasperated that where people started to see that, you know, I don't have to go to church. I can just watch online. So we're not seeing men lead well in this area. And out of all the things I'm talking about today, holding hands, listening and not lecturing, whispering that encouragement, this right here, setting the example spiritually, is the most important thing you can do as men. Most important. So as we're looking across the country, we're seeing decline in attendance in the church. And we're seeing that while the church is declining, the majority of those that are in church are women then men, this is the one area that it does matter most, where we need to lead those that are around us and how to follow Jesus. It's what Jesus said in John chapter five, verse 19. So Jesus explained at length, I'm telling you this straight, the son can't independently do a thing, only what he sees the father doing. What the father does, the son does. The father loves the son and includes him in everything he is doing. 
So when the disciples sat with Jesus, Jesus and said, hey, how is it that you pray? We see that you spend time alone with the Father. We see you praying. How do you pray? And of course, Jesus gave them the example of the Our Father. This is how you pray. Jesus was, was leading them by example, all based off what he was learning from the Father, our Father God. He was leading his disciples on how to pray, how to preach, how to lay hands on the sick and watch them get healed. He was teaching them all these things so that when he was gone, they were able to take that witness and move forward and do the same things that he did. As Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That is the biggest charge that we have as men. Married or not, a dad or not, being here, showing everybody that going to church is important and following Jesus is, is absolutely the most important thing. So husbands, your wife is watching. Fathers, your children are watching. Single men, women are watching. Managers, bosses, employees, your coworkers are watching. Believers, the world is watching. So how are we doing? Are we perfect? No. The big point that I want you to take away from today is that we're not going to be perfect men, but as long as we get it right when it matters most, then that's half the battle. So are you there for the people around you? Are you giving them encouragement? And most importantly, are you being the example as a believer and what it means to follow Jesus? Are you spending time on the word? Are you spending time in prayer? Do you grab the hands of those around you that are going through stuff and you pray for them without being asked? Are you showing up to church? Are you excited to come here? Are you drawing a line in the sand and saying, you know what, we got nothing better going on this weekend. We're not gonna be out of town. Let's go to church. What are you doing to lead well in that area? That's the big thing. I know we're not going to be perfect. I think this is just a great start. But I think just being there when it matters most is going to help you get on the right track if you're not on the right track. Everybody, please stand. First thing I want to do is Men, I just want you to raise your hand. And the women, if you're around them, I want you to turn around or to get next to them and just put your hands on them and just pray. I'm gonna pray, but I want you to agree with me in prayer. Y'all can put your hands down. You guys don't get enough credit. Let me tell you something. The women in here, if you have complaints against the man that you are with, you're in church this morning. They got you here. They drove you here. You might have prodded them a little bit, but they're here. And that's awesome. So, Father, I just want to thank you so much for the men that are in this room that are watching online. Father, I thank you that you're helping them to lead well. We're not going to be perfect, but we thank you for your grace. 
We thank you for the opportunity to be there for people that are around us and hold their hand. We thank you for the opportunity to actually listen to those around us and give them words of encouragement. And Father, most importantly, we thank you that you will help us, that you will give us the strength to lead people step by step in what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to be part of the church, what it means to be a godly man, which is completely opposite of this world. And Father, we thank you that whatever it is that's battling these men to keep them from doing those things, I thank you, Father, that you'll give them the strength to overcome and the community as well to stand alongside them as they do the best they can to lead. Father, we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.